I should have more coffee. Okay. You want coffee? I'll make you coffee after. Okay. Hello, gentle listeners. Um, welcome to Wish You All the Best, a podcast about modern dating from the perspective of a man who goes to therapy. I have it memorized now. Wow. Um, I'm Scott, a man who goes to therapy, and my guest for this episode is Karen, uh, who I think is an awesome polymath. You've been a lawyer, you are a therapist, and you reached out to me, I think on TikTok, because you were just like, I have thoughts. Is that about right? I have thoughts. I have questions. Um, Before I was a lawyer, I was also an engineer. And so the TikTok that you, that I saw of yours that made me want to comment was when you pulled your Bumble data. Oh. It was like this, this data that I am interested in that I want to know more about. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Um, Well, we can definitely talk about that. Um. Yeah. Okay. So uh, do you want to start out with like the therapy sort of stuff? You mean you want to, you want me to diagnose you? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So, so this is an interesting topic that we were talking about. Like I I do think like the whole idea of like men in therapy is obviously a thing that I care about a lot in like terms of dating stuff. I think, I mean, I don't, I, I think this is a pretty bland statement, but I think like we, we want more dudes to get into therapy, like in general. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but something that pops up a lot on uh, like social media, da- like at least dating talk. Right. But I think in social media is like, you do, you hear about women sort of saying like how to spot a narcissist. Like you hear women telling stories about getting into relationships with narcissists. Um, and I, and I feel like I, I hear that less from men. Like I feel like I hear less stories about men. Oh, there's a really good reason for that. Okay, I want to hear all that. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, just to answer that question, the reason is because uh, the patriarchy. Okay. Okay. Of course, <laughs> so it, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, as is everything. Uh, the reason you don't hear men getting into relationships with women with per- with narcissism is uh-huh. because women aren't diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder. Women are diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Wait, and, and, is, and is that like a clinical rule or is it just like a trend in it is It is a trend because of clinical bias, uh, right? Okay. Um, so I, I do dialectical behavioral therapy, which was developed specifically for treatment of borderline personality disorder. Okay. Um, and also chronic suicidality, which is a feature of borderline personality disorder. But all of the three most well-known personality disorders have a lot of behavioral overlap. So it's borderline narcissism and antisocial, which is what we call like psychopath. <laughs> okay. Like your Jeffrey Dahmer type. Like your allegedly cannot say this, but like trump types of people people who seek power and control for the sake of power and control okay but borderline and narcissism they also engage in behaviors that seek power and control it's just not their driving force okay so they all have overlapping behaviors including emotional manipulation including gaslighting including lying um, but the desires, the end goals are different. Okay. So for borderline, the 
the driving force is a fear of abandonment. So the end goal is connection. I want you to stay with me. For narcissism, the driving force is how people perceive me and wanting to be perceived as perfect, the best, better than everyone else. Interesting. And, and, but I mean, okay, so for a narcissist, wanting to be seen as amazing, mm-hmm. is, can that in a way be like, because I want to be accepted, because I want to be loved? Now, I'm going to answer all – it does. It does make sense. And I'm going to answer all of these parts of these questions from the perspective of like diagnostic criteria and our current understanding of these personality, quote unquote, disorders, Totally. Okay. right? Which is different than how each individual therapist kind of understands conditions and how we treat our clients. Okay. So the clinical answer is – No, the narcissist, according to the diagnostic criteria, doesn't actually care about being in relation with you. They just want to be surrounded by people who think they're the best, which means they're not sharing all of themselves because nobody's perfect, Mm. right? But the human side of all of us wants to be deeply connected to people. So another way of thinking about narcissism is that it's um, a coping mechanism and what they're really do what they're really doing is avoiding the vulnerability of deep connection so that is to say okay. a narcissist who is totally successful at doing what they want to do which is to be seen as perfect mm-hmm. is going to be deeply unhappy because they're going to be lonely Right. And I, and I, if, if I, if I could guess like the, uh, something that drives men to be narcissists and I, I think maybe women not to be, but like, it, it is a very masculine thing to seek to be like dominating, uh, oppressive, powerful, right? Like I, I think, well, I don't, would you agree? Like, I think that's a patriarchal thing that men are like, you're, you should be, uh, powerful and, and like assertive and like the voice of you get to say what happens in the room. No? No. Okay, tell me. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, again, this is not this is not fact, but right. a lot of us understand that women are more likely to be diagnosed as borderline because uh because we think it's the drive to be in connection. What you see is explosive emotional behavior a scrambling to keep someone in your life when you when you think they're about to leave. Okay. And so it can be interpreted as desperate and needy sure. whereas and that is considered feminine, right? Sure. So if you see the same behavior in men and women, you're going to attribute the behavior to a desire to be connected or a neediness in women. Whereas if you see the behavior in men, you're going to interpret that same behavior as a need to be seen as perfect. Wow. Okay. So it is, it, so is it more in the, I mean, we're now we're like digging deep into psychology. Like, <laughs> like this may not matter at the end of the day, right? Like, but it's important to know, I, it's important to me that lay people understand that these diagnoses are extremely problematic. They are personality. The diagnosis itself is problematic. The diagnosis of any personality disorder is problematic. A lot of diagnoses like autism or ADHD or even depression and anxiety 
they have some biological elements to them. Okay. And they're much more well understood biologically in addition to behaviorally and emotionally. Okay. Whereas personality disorders are really just like clusters of behaviors that psychologists and clinicians have seen in patterns over time. And so we have theories about what causes them or what, why a person may end up behaving and feeling the way that they do, Mm -hmm. but there's no proof, right? It's kind of like when we used to diagnose women with hysteria, right? right? It was just a theory. We had theoretical treatments. I was, um, I was at a psychology conference once upon a time a while back and one of like the headline speakers like the big thrust of his of his presentation was basically like we're all doing amazing work it's so important to do the work it's so important to do it in a scientific way but like you've just got to realize that human beings are deeply deeply complicated and we have a long long way to go yeah i feel like a lot of which is i want to be very careful saying that right because i feel like what what i don't want anybody to hear who might be listening to this my audience of five people um Right. But like, whenever I talk about that, I never want someone to hear like, don't go to therapy, don't worry Mm -hmm. about therapy, because they don't know what they're doing. What I want someone to hear is that like, you are a human being, you are intensely complex, and like spending time with specialists who have devoted their lives to figuring out how it is that we work is a 1000% worth it. Like, and just because they're not perfect, and they can't take you apart, like a Ford F-150 doesn't mean that it's not worth it to do to do that work. Make sense? I mean, to be fair, I think I can take people apart like that and put them back together. <laughs> and I I am science-based, right? I was raised by a physicist and a computer scientist, and I was a patent litigator. You know, my the the theoretical orientation that I specialize in, it is heavily, heavily evidence-based, peer-reviewed studies, you know, for the last 30 years. And so I really believe in what I do. I think that my more nuanced understanding of the diagnostic criteria allows me to understand individuals better. But as a category of people, I think it also helps to have a framework, like a starting point for anticipating why someone is the way they are. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. But this is about dating. So, <laughs> okay. So you want to know about narcissism? So yeah, I do. I want, I, 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 I want to, I want to find out if I'm a narcissist, but let, let's put a pin in that. Um, uh, 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 so, okay. So women, we hear stories about women dating men who are narcissists because men are more often narcissists or because men are more often diagnosed as narcissists. Well, we hear this i would probably guess the same number or kinds of stories from men who date quote unquote crazy women who are probably on some kind of the borderline spectrum or that's how it would be interpreted as we do women telling stories about dating narcissistic men which is probably just men being avoidant oh interesting yeah i mean i i think i would also like well, I'm interested to hear like a quick tiny rabbit hole in that. I feel like a lot of times you'll hear stories about men dating crazy women because I think sometimes that's just because a man doesn't know how to deal with emotions and he and he he hears a partner having like an emotion and he doesn't know what to do with that and he yeah. says that's crazy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I do. And so there's an argument to be made that anyone who any woman who's diagnosed with somewhere along the borderline criteria is 
interpreted that way because men wrote the DSM, uh, right? They're they looking at these women having these big emotions and they're like, well, I don't understand that big emotion, so let's pathologize it. Yeah. But when people tell me there are big emotions, here's the thing I say. Yeah. If you think that someone is being crazy, you're missing information. Nobody, unless someone's got the kind of schizophrenia where they're not living in any kind of reality, other than that kind of mental illness, no one's actually crazy. Every feeling that you have comes from a logical place. If I'm having a feeling and you don't know why, mm -hmm. you just haven't asked the right questions. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I, yeah. I think that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, See, it's all logical. Yeah, I like that. Emotions are logical. <laughs> Okay, so okay, so you, you do hear a lot of stories about women talking about how to look out for narcissistic men. I, and I, when we talk, started talking about that, I, my take on that was kind of that, like, I don't hear a lot of men, like, investigating themselves, asking, like, am I a narcissist? Or are, like, my dude friends narcissists? Like, I don't, it, at least for me, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen very much. And I, I might be weird, but, like, I don't know. I think my friends are emotionally attuned ish, you know, like I, you know, are you saying that you don't have any male friends that you think might be narcissists? I, I don't. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, but like when we got talking about it and I uh -huh. guess I want to get to this, what I started asking was like, am I a narcissist? <laughs> like, how would I know if I were a narcissist? You wouldn't. I don't think so. So I could totally be a narcissist. Could be, yes. <laughs> okay. So how, how, okay. So I forget how, when we got talking about this, like, like, okay, things, what are the, what are the, what are the ways that you would identify? Let me start off by saying anyone yeah. who would wonder, am I a narcissist? Probably isn't one because. But what if I'm just saying that because I'm a really good narcissist? That's possible. <laughs> then we would call that a covert narcissist, which is a whole different subset. Amazing. Okay. So, so deep. <laughs> okay. The most high level, like easiest way to understand narcissism is is not you believe that there is something super special and unique about you that only other really special and unique people can understand. You believe that you are entitled to great things without having to do anything to earn it. You believe that only the best things should happen to you and you only associate yourself with what you think are the best people. And that is kind of what's covered in the diagnostic criteria. In addition to that, um, tendency to lie, um, and the lack of empathy. The lack of empathy is really the the biggest part because you can have some elements of the rest of it, like thinking that you're amazing and thinking that you're really intelligent and that you deserve good things. You can have all of that, but if you have empathy, you're not probably going to like trample over everybody to achieve those things. Mm -hmm. So having empathy really dilutes the impact of the rest of the criteria anyway. Mm -hmm. So that's why most people really would not be diagnosed with narcissism because most people are born with empathy, some capacity of it. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so there, if you have the rest of it and some empathy, you might just be kind of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Is that better or worse for you? <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. I'm just an asshole. 
I mean, I like <laughs> the stuff we were talking about. Like, like I, I don't think I lie to people. I, I would say though that I, and I think, I think we all do this, right? But like, I, I, I do think I put on like different masks in different rooms with different people, right? But that's not lying. That's, that's gotta, is, is that like on the spectrum of what a narcissist is doing or is that something totally different? It is. Yeah. It's on the spectrum, right? So if your goal is that I'm going to surround myself with people who think I'm the best, then whenever I meet someone, I need to figure out what they value and then reflect that to them. Hmm. And so that gets to the, the kind of changing nature and characteristics of narcissists as they move throughout space. The result of that, if if someone's really adept at that, what ends up happening is that they actually have no sense of who they really are. So quite empty, not empty, but like really lacking a sense of self. Mm, Very, very malleable, very changeable. Yeah. To the point where they don't even know who they really are. So they need to be in relation to someone else to kind of like pick a personality. Oh, wow. Yeah. I definitely do that. (laughs) You do or you don't? I do not know. It sounds exhausting. (laughs) It, It sounds exhausting to me too. Like I could that yeah i couldn't do that yeah Yeah. i have a hard time not being myself which gets me into other kinds of trouble but not not probably good trouble yeah the other another really interesting feature is some people are really good at seeing through the narcissistic mask Mm. so some people will meet someone and be like "Ooh, that feels kind of gross i don't like it Mm -hmm. and a narcissist can sense that too and so they will eject that person. They will not be friends with that person. And if there's some reason that person needs to be in their lives, they'll like shit talk them, badmouth them, and make everybody else hate them. Oh, that's wild. Yeah. That's almost that's almost that's almost like social cloak and dagger. Like there's, yes. a, there's like a, a spy and an anti-spy kind yeah. of that's wild. And so my experience is that the the narcissist truly believes that everybody loves them because they surround themselves with people who think they're amazing and anyone who doesn't automatically think they're amazing they reject the validity of that person at all wow okay it is fascinating okay so okay so now that i've said that what do you think about yourself i i i I'm probably not a narcissist. Maybe just a little bit of an asshole. Oh, no. Terrible. I try hard to be a good person. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. But like, okay, this is a podcast about dating. Okay. So like, um, I don't know. I I, I try to make, I try to have conversations that I think will benefit men, right? Um, But like really, I think any conversation that has to do with dating does benefit men because I think it benefits us to understand, have a deeper understanding of what women are going through. And I think especially with modern dating, what men go through and what women go through are like, I think very different in important ways. I think so. So I guess I just, I'm interested to know, like, like how, how, I guess I want to ask like, how common is it? Like how much of a thing is it that women really need to worry about like actual personality disorders in dating? Like, are they, do you think it's like super rare? Do you think like modern dating attracts personality disorders? Is there like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, personality disorders are super rare. Okay, They are really rare. I think the thing that women are talking about when they use the word narcissism is actually forms of avoidance and particularly dismissive avoidant 
tendencies. And what that looks like is if you, if two people in a relationship are engaging in a conflict, Mm -hmm. there are different ways that people cope with that tension. Mm -hmm. Some people lean into it and really want to talk about it and work through it. And some people are so afraid of it or have a belief that tension or conflict of any kind is automatically a bad thing. And they start blaming that on other people. So people who are dismissive avoidant tend to blame all conflict on the other person. And in order to do that, they might have to kind of like make up judgments about the way people are supposed to be. So if you're if you're having a conflict with me, you're behaving in a way that you are not supposed to be. Mm. That can come off as very narcissistic because what it says is, I know the right way to behave. But usually it's just a person kind of like making up the rules as they go so that they're not to blame. Got it. Yeah. And that can, that is really toxic. Yeah. Especially if the other partner is coming at it from a place of good faith. Like if you think there's something I'm doing wrong, I'm going to be introspective about it. I'm going to take your opinion really seriously because I value you. So I will do my work, making the assumption that the other person is also doing their work. But people who are like heavily dismissive avoidant, they're, I'm not, it's not not capable. It's not not willing. It's, they haven't figured out how to, I don't know, face themselves. Sure. And that's the part, that's the part you need to work out in therapy. Hmm. And so, okay. When you, when you say, and just to kind of contextualize it, when you say avoidant, is, is that sort of on the spectrum of like, uh, avoidant secure, what's the other one? Like the attachment styles? Yes. Yes. I mean, that's gotten, Attachment styles are so much in the zeitgeist, and I love it. It's a little bit not perfectly nuanced, but it's a great way to talk about it. So Hmm. you have people who have secure attachment, which is, thank God, 60% of the world, so they say. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the 40% 40 are somewhere in the insecure realm, and there's three categories for that, anxious, avoidant, and then disorganized. Got it, right. Anxious people tend to lean into the conversation and really want to hash it out, yeah. which is not not toxic in its own way. Right. It's it's like you can't be calm again until everything is fixed. Right. Not everything can be fixed. Right. Whereas people who are avoidant just like run away from the conflict and don't engage. Right. And the disorganized it's its own thing. <laughs> okay. Could have been that. Yeah. Um, okay. Right. That's interesting. Um, okay. 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 Do you want, like, okay, what else do okay. I have? Um, yeah. So, I mean, okay. But so to kind of put a pin on that about, like, I'm probably not a narcissist. I'm probably just an asshole. Um, do you want to know, maybe like, how do you know that you are the toxic person that's like super avoidant and blaming everybody else? How do you know? That's a good question. How do you know? <laughs> <laughs> um well, I, that, that, I mean, I, I do you think you do that? I don't think I do that. I hope I don't do that. I, I like to think that I, I, th- I think if anything, I, I personally lead into probably the anxious attachment style where it's like, I, um, I, I want to talk it out. I want to like understand and be seen and to see my partner, um, and to like figure out, like my, I think my, my 
tendency, which can be bad if I'm not careful about it. But like, I think, I think a lot of men are like this, but my tendency is like, let's fix this. Like whatever this, whatever is going on, let's like, do not a lot of men do that? (laughs) I mean, yes, men like to fix things, but oftentimes I'm not saying this is definitely like not a not all men situation, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oftentimes trips. men think that fixing things means fixing the other person's feeling. Oh. A really big misconception about feelings is that they are a problem to be fixed. But a feeling is nothing more than a it's actually a physical reaction to your environment it's your body telling you hey there's something going on here right there's tension here let me just like pause and take a look around and see what it is mm-hmm. and if you're securely attached with your partner you could just say like oh shoot i feel something can you like talk with me and see if we can figure out what it is together mm-hmm. but a lot of times what people hear is i'm having an emotion it needs to be fixed. It's a problem. I don't want to feel bad. Make me feel better. You know? Is is that where you think, like you hear a lot of women talk about how they feel like men are trying to make them their mothers. Is that like a part of that? And trying to make them into their mothers. Like I've, I've heard women on, uh, I think in general, but like in the dating world, talk about how like some men are hard to, hard to be in a relationship with because they don't, they're not looking for a partner. They're looking for like a parent. That might be more, when I hear that, I think more about weaponized incompetence, like trying to, <laughs> are you not familiar with the weaponized incompetence TikTok I, rabbit hole? I am not on weaponized incompetent <laughs> TikTok. So this might be a tangent, but okay. okay. <laughs> when, when men and women live together, okay. there are certain things that have to be done, okay. right? And men will say, well, women just, you have this higher standard of living and it's not my standard. And so if you want to live that way, then you take care of it. Or like all of a sudden men will forget how to do dishes or like forget how to cook, even though they've lived by themselves before and they know how to take care of themselves. Uh-huh. But just by living with a woman, the woman defaults into a homemaker. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think that's what you meant. I think you mean emotionally. Like, I, I meant emotionally. Yeah. yeah. Like that, there, that, 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 uh, that there's this, and we're totally off track here, but like <laughs> there's this kind of weird, um, what's the word? Like dichotomy or w- weird paradox where like men, I think in general are, don't feel comfortable expressing emotions in public or around other men around other people, but that we, and so I, my totally off the wall pet theory is that like, what that means is that we end up, we end up only putting that on our romantic partners. Yes. And then it really ends up just being like like way too much for one person. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and that's just like dumping like a massive amount of emotional labor on, on women in those relationships because, um, well, because it is. (laughs) Because it does. Yeah, that's uh, – I once dated this guy. I'm trying to think how much I can say about him. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It was a long time ago. Um, we we met in law school, but he was two years ahead of me. And so while we were dating, he graduated and started his first year at a big law firm, which is absolutely a hugely stressful time for mm. any lawyer. Mm. 
And our relationship deteriorated because he wanted to maintain this reputation that he had it all together, that he wasn't stressed about anything. Like in his office, he was the first year associate who was like, yeah, I'll handle that. Everything's totally cool. I'm good. I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Including with his like best friends, all of his best guy friends from law school who were all going through the same thing. And they were all saying how stressed out they were, but they would get together and he'd be like, oh yeah, work is so great. I'm having such a good time. Like it's totally chill. And then we'd go home and he would I don't want to say how he treated me, but towards the end of the relationship, when we were making this explicit, mm. he was like, I have to be the best for everyone it's, and I can't do it 24 mm. seven. And I said, why do I not get the best of you? Right. And it was that same idea that because I was his safe place, he could treat me worse than he treated anyone else. Got it. Just kind of fucked up. That's totally fucked totally up. Totally It's unhealthy. Up. So then I broke up with him and then his parents came to his apartment and they're like, you are clearly living in a state of depression. And he told me later that it was, that was like his kick in the butt to go to therapy. Yeah. And now he's married with a kid. So I assume it all worked out. Well, yeah. Hopefully <laughs> therapy's serving him well. Yeah. We, we wish him the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So women end up doing the emotional labor of men including like translating their like i feel bad into what is actually going on for you emotionally translating the men saying i feel bad yeah got it men come home i had a bad day i don't feel good i'm acting this way because i don't i feel bad uh -huh. right and then it's the woman who sits him down like okay tell me what happened tell me what's going on do you right. think it's this do you think it's that right yeah does the investigation does the work of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Do you Boys, do that? we should go to therapy. What's that? <laughs> do you do that? I don't think so. I mean, I haven't been in a relationship for three years. So what I do is I sit at home and look at TikTok. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> That's the best way to unwind. <laughs> <laughs> All my clients laugh when I they'll they'll say something like, "Hmm, you know, I saw a TikTok the other day." Uh huh. I, I think TikTok is so dangerous, but that's a, that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So I don't know. Like the upshot here is gents go to therapy. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of don't know how else to like segue into that here, but I, that that's, I don't know. Well, here's a question I have for you. Yeah. What do you think is stopping men from going to therapy or what's what's hard about it? Um, that's a great question. I think, um, I think it's just, I think it's not normalized, which is to say, well, I, I can only speak for myself really. I, I don't, I don't know if this is true for a lot of men, but for me in my life, one of the biggest challenges is community. So putting in time and effort to maintain positive friendships. I'm someone who I like a lot of close, I like a small number of close friends and I have like sort of a, a broader net of acquaintances and people that I like enjoy hanging out with. But like, I like to have uh, close friends who know me like really, really, really well. I think different people are different around that, but that's kind of how I tend to do it. And if in my small close friends group, and this is, this is less and less true as time goes on, but like, like I say, when I was in that small close friends group and not a lot of other men were going to therapy or were interested in therapy, mm -hmm. 
I didn't really have a good way to kind of like process what I was doing in therapy because a part of how I process things is bouncing it off of my friends, if that makes sense. Uh huh. So I would have, and then this will maybe get into like the vocabulary thing we were talking about before, but like I, um, I, I had new vocabulary for things that were interesting to me and important to me and impactful to me, but I, my friends didn't have that vocabulary and what I would get when I would say, Oh, I went to therapy and I, I totally unpacked this thing. And like, it made me see this in a totally different way. And, uh, my friends would be very supportive and loving, but like, you know, what they would have was kind of like, Oh, that's really cool. Good for you. You know, and less, they, they didn't really have like the vocabulary to, to like understand that on a deeper level. And I, and I didn't feel, um, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling seen by those friends. Right. Because mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't feeling understood if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, community is important to me. Um, and I say it's important to me. It's like, I, if I don't have community, I feel like fight or flight animal. It's not great. I don't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm with those friends, when I'm unpacking my life, when I'm processing my thoughts and bouncing ideas off of my friends, that's really important to me. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think, having me just go to like me going to therapy was a big deal and helped me work through a lot of stuff. Initially it was mostly about um, anxiety. Like I had an anxiety thing that a big like event that happened. And that was like a tipping point that was like, okay, I need to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I was in therapy, I, I was able to work on that, but then it was kind of like, Oh, there's all this other stuff that I can work on too. Like it started giving me the tools to do a lot of important work on myself. But that whole journey, at least in the beginning with some of my friends, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to badmouth my friends here. My friends are, they're really lovely, but, um, just in case you're listening. Yeah. Which they're, <laughs> not, they're not, whatever. Um, um, uh, uh, right. Like I, 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 anyway, all that's a huge answer way too long. Just to say, I think a lot of men don't go to therapy because it's, it's not normalized. Like a, I think a lot of men really look to other men to see what is like acceptable in terms of like things to do, things to be interested in conversations to have, you know what I mean? Um, and I think, I, so it's kind of a catch 22. Like, I think when more men go to therapy, more men will go to therapy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when you started talking to your friends about therapy, yeah. did they ask follow-up questions? Um, sometimes, but like, you know, I, I and, and again, I, I lovely, lovely, lovely friends, but like, um, it it's i find it hard um like it's hard to i think have those conversations with someone that's not going through it um or at least for me and maybe for a lot of men i don't know um but yeah like they can i mean they're very very smart my friends are very smart but like um it's kind of like know you're talking to them about it and you're and they're like oh that's cool that's a you problem like i don't see myself in these things that you're talking about yeah sort of yeah um and and of course you know like my friends who are in therapy uh will sometimes say cool that's a you problem <laughs> um, but then they can kind of reciprocate with like well let me tell you about like what i'm working on in therapy like let yeah. me tell you about the me problems yeah um 
So that's actually not a dissimilar experience that I had when I talked to my family about either my therapy or generally like what my work is. I would tell them these things that I thought to be and now know to be like pretty universal, like feelings are important and they tell you things and they don't have to be scary. And my family narrative, and I'm talking like extended family, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, Karen's the one with big emotions. Karen's the one that has problems with emotions and interpersonal relationship problems. Everyone in my family of my generation, all of my cousins, basically met one person, dated one person, married one person, and had children with them. Right? And so the fact that I would date someone and then break up and then date someone else and then break up, it was pathologized in my family, right? And so when I come around saying, oh, my emotions aren't a problem and this is how I understand them now and and also this is how you can understand your emotions and all the conflicts you're having in your life, the first reaction for years actually was, I'm really happy for you, but that's a you problem, right? right? So I've been a therapist for what, like six years, kind of, and my family just started therapy this year. And once they did, they're like, oh my God, all these things you said were true. And I was like, I know it's only taken me years and years to convince Mm -hmm. you. That's interesting. I mean, that's awesome that they did that. And they're all women. So I, so it's, I don't think that part's a man thing. Interesting. Yeah. I do, That's interesting. I do think like just you telling that story made me think of it from kind of a different perspective. I, I do think like when, like when, when you're telling your family about what you're working on in therapy, when I'm telling my friends about what I'm working on in therapy, I do think to an extent, like the impulse to, to sort of say like, that's a you problem is a little bit because like, I, I think we all sort of on some level, I think we do sort of understand that we're all a little fucked up. Like mod- the modern world is not set up to make us mentally happy, healthy, fulfilled, you know, like it's just yeah. not. Um, whether or not we ever were in the first place, that's a totally different conversation. But like, you know, uh, and, 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 which is to say like when you bring something and you're like, oh, I worked on this in therapy, it's in a way it's an invitation to say like, well, what are you working on about yourself? And that's a very dangerous, that can be a very dangerous invitation because like even thinking about that can open up things in yourself when you're, when you're hearing your therapy friends say I went to therapy, right? Like even just like asking yourself, well, what should I work on? Like that can be a really dangerous thought that can feel very like that can feel like a lot of work that can feel like very threatening, very threatening. Yeah. Right. Because like that, that, that train of thought could lead you to kind of change who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, which like, you know, not to say that anybody should change who they are, but like, we're all going to change. Like spoiler, you're going to change. <laughs> and a lot of us, you know, if you want to improve, uh, you it's going to require a change because I mean, it's not staying the same. I think it's more, I think it's more along those lines that, mm-hmm. Therapy is scary because... For men, you mean? Yes, because that's what we're talking about. I do think therapy is scary generally for anybody because in order to change things, even for the better, you first have to acknowledge things about you that you don't like. Yeah. And yeah. I think women have are just more used to that line of thinking because we're constantly told since we're born what 
we should and shouldn't do and how we are supposed to act. So we're already constantly changing. But I think it's much more threatening for a man to be told you're doing something wrong or you could be better. Oh, that's interesting. Even like my most my most favorite ex, <laughs> like my most favorite person I've ever been in a relationship with, when we met, you know, over 10 years ago, so he was 10 years younger than he is now, mm-hmm. he was very flexible in his thinking. He was a straight white man, but he grew up in a very diverse community. He grew up, you know, lower socioeconomic class, but kind of came into his adulthood around a lot of wealth and privilege. So he was able to see things from different people's perspectives. He was also married to someone for a long time who was very social justice oriented. And so they had a lot of conversations about privilege and oppression, and he was able to uh, accept his own flaws Mm -hmm. relatively well. But somewhere in the 10 years after I met him, he just got more and more rigid. Mm. And it became difficult for him to like challenge himself introspectively in that way. He became someone who really needed to not have done not have done anything wrong. He needed to be a good person, right? Mm. So basically he's turned into like a straight white man old boomer. Just like totally classic the way that they think and why it's so hard for them to like understand new generations. But it was really interesting to watch that process happen. So I think a lot of people can get stuck in that, in that trap of like needing to think that they're good. I mean, I think, yeah. And I think for, for men, um, and we'll stop talking about men in therapy in a sec, I guess. But like for men, right. I, I think there is a pressure to like be valuable, not be someone who is working to make themselves better, to be more valuable, whatever valuable means, but like pressure to be right. Like be, have it figured out, have the answer, uh, be a provider, be someone who can like tell you what's going on with politics or, or, or like the economy or like a lot of all those kind of like big things that sort of like. I don't know, like might fall into a traditional like head of household responsibility, if that makes sense. That's so interesting that you mention politics (laughs) because this, my most favorite person, we, the beginning of our falling out was uh, the Capitol riots. Mm. I was, I was so distraught about it as a child of an immigrant you know, immigrants come to this country for the idea of freedom and democracy. And in that moment, it was as though all of my own parents' sacrifice was for nothing. And also, like, what is the hope of the world not to get too depressing? But I called him, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I called him and he was like, oh, this is not a big deal. Like, you're freaking out about nothing. Like, Um. right? And that was the beginning of this period of time where when we met, he was 10 years younger, I was 10 years younger, which meant I was not really confident in my own opinions yet, Mm. right? I was young enough to have opinions and to think I knew what was going on in the world. But Mm. if someone older than me, male, white, told me I was wrong, I'd be like, okay, I'm wrong. Let me do more research into it. Mm. But 10 years later, 
he had kind of stayed the same person. And I had become more confident in what I understand about the world. And so when we got into this argument, it was the first time his understanding of this is what politics is. This is mm. the state of the world was being challenged by someone who is 10 years younger and a woman, Yeah, you know, that's a big deal. Not white. Yeah. It was very threatening for him. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 And I guess I, to, to wrap up the men thing, like <laughs> that, that, like, that, you know, they always you always hear like the patriarchy hurts men too. Yes. And it does, right? Like like having to the world is so bonkers and complex that like it doesn't make any damn sense to have like one person in your household be in charge of understanding like everything in the stupid newspaper, you know? Um it's just like it just doesn't it doesn't that paradigm doesn't work in a in a connected, super complicated fast moving modern world, you know, like the expectation for men that you should have all that stuff figured out and that you should be, that, that you should find value in being a head of household decision maker, opinion haver, I guess, <laughs> that, that does, it doesn't make any sense. Um, and like, it's, it's a pressure that like, I mean, I don't know. I, I sort of cheat because I'm just, I'm fine being an idiot. I'm, I'll just tell you if I don't know, you know, um, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm, I'm not perfect, but like, you know, I, that, that, that allowing myself to feel like an idiot is, has served me well in that regard because like, it lets me release that pressure, you know, just to say like, fuck it. I don't care. Like, I don't care if I don't know what this thing is. I'll, I have smart friends. I'll ask them. I'll Google it. Like, you know, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. But I, I, well, anyway, that, but that pressure is is so negative. It's so uh, toxic. It's so harmful, to, I think, to men to 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 carry that around um, and isolating because, like, if if you're you you can't say to other men, "Hey, it sucks having to feel like I always need to know this stuff," because that's admitting that you don't know this stuff, and you can't admit it to your, you know, you know what I mean. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I was just thinking as you were talking. You, as a good-looking straight white man, have the privilege to take on this, I don't, I don't know everything, you know, please tell me. When you do it, mm. it comes off as endearing mm. to people who are not other alpha men. I mean, the word alpha is, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. we don't use that anymore. Mm -hmm. But the thing that you said right after that was, well, I couldn't say to another man, you know, oh, I don't know the answer to this. The people you're trying to impress is mm -hmm. other men. It's not women. Women love it when a guy says, oh, I don't know. You tell me about that. Mm. And so the fear is not about women, but actually relationships between men. That's interesting. I feel that's interesting. I feel my guess. Well, okay. The thing in there that I would push back on, and I, I'm probably wrong, actually, but I think. Nice. You just did it. <laughs> well right but like it, it, and i feel great because now i get to tell you how you're wrong <laughs> <laughs> but I, I i feel like as 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 a man who is dating i often feel like i i think i often feel that pressure of like needing to be like a person with a plan um and like knowing what what restaurant is fun and like a fun thing to do. i'm talking about dating right I, I do feel like there's there's a pressure to be like women like it when you plan everything when you just take charge of making the decisions and maybe that's not true 
and maybe maybe and maybe that's very different. Maybe that's a very different thing. But I I do feel like in dating, there's that 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 I, I should say I feel that pressure, and and I am always like, okay, well I gotta go yelp a bunch of stuff and ask my friends and like put together a really fun date, which is like kind of fun to do, but also it's kind of like. I'm basically just like guessing. I'm just like shooting in the dark, guessing what I think this person is going to like based on our like, you know, five minute phone call <laughs> and like our hinge chat history. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. I have a theory about why, how this has happened. Yes. Tell me. Okay. So let's go back in time. Okay. When men did make all of the decisions and women were not allowed to make any decisions. Back okay. in time to where you go to a restaurant and the men orders for the woman, right? Right. Then you have some feminist protests and everyone learns a new way of behaving with each other. And women are all about like, we should be empowered. We should be able to make our choices. Right. And I think the male response to that is somewhere along the lines of, well, then what am I supposed to do? Oh, interesting. Right. And so then there's this period of, well, what am I supposed to do turns into, well, now that I don't have to do anything. Then we went through a period where women were like, are you interested? Are you invested in this? If we say, let's go on a date and you're like, oh, whatever restaurant you want to go to, whatever neighborhood you want to go to, whatever activity you want to go to, then we're doing all the planning, which actually goes back to weaponized incompetence. You marry that person, you have children with them, and then the men are like, whatever you want to do. So this, the pendulum has kind of swung back and forth on that. That's interesting. Uh-huh. That's in- I've never I've never thought about it that way. That's really interesting. Yeah. So I think the pressure that you feel to like plan a good date is not about, from my perspective, oh. as a woman who dates men, mm-hmm. when I... When a guy puts in that effort, it's it doesn't impress me because they seem more masculine. It impresses me because they're doing the bare minimum of putting in some kind of effort, which in the past 10 years, relatively rare. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Because what do what value do men bring to the table if it's not it used to just be money, right? right? And right. so you could say like yeah, babe, I'll take you out to a nice expensive dinner. You choose the place. You choose what you want to eat. I'll pay for it. Yeah. Everybody's happy. I usually do pay for dinner though. Well, I don't know, whatever. (laughs) But I think in my mind, again, that goes back to showing effort and interest, Mm -hmm. not about like paying for someone's attention. Got it. Yeah. I have met, in my lifetime, I've met one woman ever who is like, oh, I'm not really interested in that guy, but it'll be a free dinner. Yeah. I've never heard that any other time. Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's kind of a myth. I, I don't I don't think I think women are like dating because they want to date and they're, you know, it's just as confusing for it's just as it's confusing and hard for everybody, you know? Yes. Um that's Yeah, there's answer. no right answers for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 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 okay. With that we've how long have we been we're like okay it's fine whatever this is gonna be a long one is that okay are you good on time <laughs> I'm good. okay um 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 let's talk about gamified dating apps um so uh, yeah now i want you to psychoanalyze me i i wouldn't i wouldn't dare <laughs> I want to know. You're the dating app expert. Tell me why I don't get sucked into dating apps. 
I'm not a dating app expert. I'm just a dude with too much free time uh, complaining about the dating apps, telling dudes to go to therapy. Um, okay, right, right. So you were saying that you don't get, okay. So you were saying that you don't get like sucked in. You don't get like addicted to don't. The, the dating apps. Yeah. I've, I've heard people say that when they get notifications, oh, someone's messaged you, oh, someone's yeah. liked you, it's like a hit of dopamine and yeah. then it like makes you want to go for more. Yeah. Right. I've never had that feeling. Like I'll open the app and be like, okay, new matches today. Or I'll open it and be like, oh, eight people like me. Let's go through them. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so my, okay. And, 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 but, and you've, you've already told me that I'm wrong about this, but my, my theory on, I'm not wrong, but my theory on this is that I, I think the apps are, I don't say designed, but like have, I would say like evolved as a product to be uh, addictive to men which is to say that I think it's important to the apps that they deliver sporadic reward to men. Yeah. And, and the reward is like the match and the chat, right? Yeah. And the and hinge or whatever, like all the big uh, dating apps, like what they want to do is what, what, they, what, what I think they've become good at doing. Uh, and this is, I think changed a lot in the past, maybe five ish years. I don't know. I've only been dating for like three years, but like what they've gotten good at doing is this gamification, right? Where it's like, if you're a guy, you can pay more money to increase your chances of matching with a woman. And to me, that sounds a lot like, yeah. that sounds a lot like I want more lotto tickets because it's going to increase my chances of, of hitting, hitting a jackpot. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and the apps, I don't think the apps are like, I don't like have the numbers on this. I don't think the apps are like crazy tech uh, profitable that are not like on the level of like, whatever the big crazy companies, but they're very profitable. Like they're not operating at a loss, you know? <laughs> um, and yeah, I, th- I think, uh, I don't know. I, my, my best guess, I, I don't think anybody at like Hinge is evil. Um, I'm really, I'm reading Logan Yuri's book, uh, uh, How to Not Die Alone. Um, uh, and she worked at, she was like the head, uh, I think the uh, psychologist at Hinge or something like that. Um, and so anyway, I, I think, I think there are good people trying to do good things at those dating apps. But like at the end of the day, the people with the dollars and cents are going to tell you like, look, we need to make the investors happy. Um, You need to make this more profitable than it was last quarter or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And like the little ways that you do that, I think mean that over time, it makes sense to me that the apps have become like casinos basically. Um, But for men, because men are the ones who are, I think on balance, usually men are are the ones paying money. Um, And so I think for women, but for women, I think it's it's less important in the app design for the app to be addictive because all they really need the women to do is to be there, match with a guy and say hi every now and then. As long as you're doing that, the apps are making money. God, that, it's a little depressing. It's totally depressing. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrific. It's like a dystopian hellscape. It's like capitalism ruining dating. Yeah. But okay, but you've said, but I think this is really interesting. You've said that you do know women who do feel like that pull. Yes. Okay. They feel the dopamine hit. They feel the validation mm-hmm. when they get matches and they seek more and they spend, they get sucked into the dating apps the way I get sucked into TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm knows me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I I haven't talked to like a statistically sound <laughs> yeah number of people about this, but the women I've talked to about this, um, 
they, it, it feels bad. Like they often talk about how they feel like guilty that they're, that they're not talking to people who like they thought they wanted to talk to last week when they swiped right. Yes. That I do feel that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. not a good experience. Nobody likes that. Right. Yeah. Um, and that like, and, and at least in my experience with chatting with women on the apps, when I was on the apps, um, it, it, it really feels like, uh, like the, the, the task at hand for a man on the apps is, is like, you have to stand out from the crowd and be more interesting than the other guys that she has in the chat who she might talk to. And I also have to like overcome just the, like, like the general bad feeling that you get from just being on the app in general. Right. And, and I, I always feel like I'm like, or I should say like a move I'm or like a, it, it's definitely something that I acknowledge when I'm trying to move away from the app and like to chatting on the phone. Like when I feel like we have some level of rapport, mm-hmm. I, in some way or another, I, I will kind of lean on the fact that like the apps are not fun. Like I would rather, I would really like to not have to open hinge to chat with you. It's like a thing that I will sometimes do yeah. to like get her out of hinge. But like really the reason I want to get her out of hinge is because I have to go do something else. And in the next three hours, another 10 guys are going to message her and she's never going to send me a message again. Like it's a very like tactical thing on my part. See, I don't think that's true. Okay. Tell me. I don't think that women get so many messages so quickly that you're actually getting pushed to the bottom and like no one's ever looking again. I mean, cause what you just described about the yeah. other women who feel guilty because they swiped right last week and they're not that into it this week. Yeah. What they're really doing then looking at the message inbox is feeling guilty about this one and then guilty about this one and guilty about this one, but they're not, not scrolling to the bottom. They're looking for the one that they're not going to feel guilty about. Okay. Right. Well, I mean like, okay, then yeah, I, I, I guess I, I want to be, I, I then, then uh, that's interesting yeah. to me. It's kind of functionally the same, right? Because like, it doesn't matter if she sees my message or not. What matters is, can I successfully get her to pick me out of the crowd and go to whatever the next phase in the like sales funnel is to get closer to a phone call or a FaceTime to get closer to actually meeting in person, which for me is when that's when the actual interesting stuff, like that's when you actually find out whether or not there's any kind of connection, whether or not there's like chemistry or like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the dating apps are just like this weird self-marketing PVP player versus player game for the non-nerds in the audience, you know, um, a game that is brutal. And, but, but, and it's, and it's totally separate from any of the relationship skills, most of the relationship skills that you would look for in a partner to have like an awesome, cool connection. Like, I think whatever you're looking for, nobody's looking for somebody who's like really, really good at dating apps. Like that's not a skill set that I'm excited. about. Oh, that's really depressing because I think I'm really, really good at dating apps. Well, but do you think, (laughs) do you think that's what makes you an, an awesome partner? Oh, uh, Oh, what a good question. Let me think about this. What makes me an awesome partner? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's some overlap, right? I think one thing that makes me a really good partner is that I care immensely and I act on it. Okay. My therapist and I recently had a conversation where I was was upset with – my friends and family because we were have everyone was like, who's a people pleaser? And everybody in my life is like, I'm a people pleaser. And then everybody in my life was like, Karen's not a people pleaser. And I was like, 
I care so hard and uh-huh. I try so hard to make people happy. Why are they saying this about me? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And my therapist. Like you felt that. That felt really Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt so hurt. I felt unseen. Yeah. I felt like I'm yeah. doing all this work to love people and I'm not getting seen for it. And my therapist like literally rolled her eyes at me. <laughs> she was like, yeah, you're not a people pleaser. I was like, you too, Allegra. <laughs> and here's what she said. She uh-huh. said that I am extremely generous as a person. Uh-huh. When I love someone, I give a lot. It's true. And then she's like, Karen, you're a therapist. You know that people pleasing is not a good thing. And I was like, I know, but they all talk about it like it's a good thing. That means uh-huh. they're talking about me like I'm a bad thing. Got it. But she reminded me that people pleasers, by definition, avoid conflict. So the reason I'm not a people pleaser and the reason I am not perceived as a people pleaser is because when there is tension, Mm -hmm. I lean into it. I'm not scared of it. I want to resolve it. I want people to be happy by being happy with me. Yeah. You want to do the work. I want to do the work. Okay. So how does that make you good at the dating apps? Okay. (laughs) You just saw my profile, right? It's a good profile. Thank you. Yeah. So... That profile has been refined. Like I started with my original profile, like what, 15 years ago when it was OKCupid, right? Uh-huh. Okay. And like, I rem- we talked about how you could put a lot in your profile with OKCupid. I, I, I miss OKCupid. I miss it too. Yeah. But to, to be honest, I was short and pithy. Okay. So I have always been good at thinking really hard about uh. who am I? And how can I represent that in as few <laughs> words as possible? Okay. Which is some form of being like authentic. Like doing the work. Doing the work. Okay. 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 Yeah. And, and I would, you know, you know. I <laughs> and that's would, what I want in someone else's profile. Yeah. I would, I mean, I would always advise people like if you have to use the apps, put a lot of effort into your profile and like constantly revise it. Like keep putting effort into it because like. Your profile, especially now, uh, uh, it's not a lot. Like you don't have that much screen space to give mm-hmm. someone a feel for who you are. And like the challenge of presenting yourself in like this much screen space, someone's going to scroll through pictures and blurbs. Like that's really, really hard. Like mm-hmm. it's really, really hard to give someone a feel for who you are in, in that space. So I hear that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think a lot, of, I think, I think putting in the effort is so important. Being vulnerable talking about like who you really are, um, having other people look at it, having friends look at it. I think it's really Mm -hmm. important. I think there are definitely people who are good at being online, like good at having engaging, fun, well-lit pictures in which they look good. I think that takes skill. Yeah, I hear you. I think, you you know, uh, um, being up to speed on like the memes or like whatever it is (laughs) that you're going to put in your profile to make it Oh um, no, I hate that. Well, it's, uh, it's digital marketing, right? Like, like, like things like, like your dating app profile is an ad for you, right? Yes. And all of the ways that modern ads can be engaging, all of the ways, a lot of the ways that modern ads can be engaging, I think are ways that your dating profile can be engaging, right? Like mm-hmm. saying something funny and quippy and hilarious in like the voice note that Hinge lets you use now. I love it when people do dad jokes for that. (laughs) Well, I mean like whatever it is, right? Like, like 
having the confidence to put your voice on the internet yeah. or, or, or a video of you on the internet is like, maybe, maybe that's an extra step and that's a step beyond of just the picture, right? And maybe that's harder to do. So people who are good at that are going to do better in the, the, the dating app game, right? But you don't think that necessarily translates to being like an interesting person in real life. I don't. Wow. Well, uh, I mean, I can, yeah. right? But like, I think there, let me put it this way. I think it can, but I, I, I don't, I, I feel, I don't feel great about, about finding, meeting a partner in an environment where the people who are good at online stuff are the people that are going to stand out because like, I feel like I could be super duper happy. I feel like I probably will, I hope one day be really <laughs> happy with a partner who isn't that great at like social media or online stuff. I don't like social media. I know I'm on TikTok, but like <laughs> I deleted Facebook and Twitter and Reddit a long time ago. Because I was like, I'm just going to walk away for a month and see how I feel. I felt great. And I just never went back. Um, yeah, I think I think social media in general, as much as I'm on freaking TikTok, TikTok is a problem. TikTok is like, no joke. TikTok is a national security threat. Oh my God, that's so... I think I want to defend myself. <laughs> no, I don't mean to attack you. I don't mean to attack you. <laughs> I want to defend myself and say it depends on how you use it. Because literally my entire For oh. You page is... Dog training, mm-hmm. mental health TikTok, mm-hmm. <laughs> and narc TikTok. Narc TikTok? What's a narc TikTok? <laughs> it's survivors of narcissist abuse oh. and self-aware narcissists talking about their experience. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't get anything problematic. Did you did 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 like did like corn talk make its way into your for you page? You just totally missed corn talk. Wow, well done. I did see uh, Couch Guy. Okay, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Try Guy scandal really, really hurt me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really disappointing. Like, yeah. So, (laughs) anyway, for anyone who's not on TikTok, these are all just like trends that TikTok is so complicated. Anyway, the, the conversation about social media is a, is a totally different podcast. Um, well, okay. So here's – I wonder, though, if this is another gender divide. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, because I – your experience of women being – having the skills to be well-curated on social media and not translating mm. to real life, I wonder if that isn't – oh, that's a very nice pedicure, actually. I like your pedicure better than manicure. Thank you, I yeah. think. <laughs> I think that men don't have that skill set as an extra, as, as like an, an add-on to their personality. What do you mean? Like, I don't think men can be not interesting in real life, but interesting on social media. Oh, really? Because women have the, the trained skill of entertaining men. Mm. Or enter being entertaining, being mm-hmm. an entertainment addition to an event, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But men, if they are entertaining, that's just like a part of their personality. Mm. They don't have, they don't, they're not told to become that if they're not naturally. Got it. It's never the man's job to like uh, settle a room or like be the emotional regulator for yeah. ask all the questions, make people laugh. Men do do that, but when they do that, it's just because that's part of their personality. Right. And so, the, and, and, and it's fewer men that do that because it's, it yeah. Yeah. that's my theory on why we just had different experiences of that. That's interesting. What do you think? 
I, I, I mean, that's, that's probably very true. I see it, I guess, through a kind of a different lens, but I don't think these are like mutually exclusive. I just think that like we've been objectifying women for a really, really, really long time. And so like when the internet happened and it was like, guess what? Now you, everyone needs to learn to be an awesome photographer uh, because like the way you look on the internet is going to be remembered for all of the rest of civilization, you know? Yeah. Um, and like video or, or, or like photographically uh, logging your life, whether it's on Instagram or whatever, is now just like a normal thing to do. Yeah. And so, and because we, in lots and lots and lots of really, really terrible, horrible ways, like objectify women, I think women, whether they want to or not, like, I, I mean, I'm, they just learned the skills to like look good on the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and guys just like, don't, do, I mean, I, I, I talk about this a lot on here for some reason, but like the fish picks, like the oh guys my God, with fish is that everyone asks that? What so is that? my theory on the fish picks is just that, like, so, so, right, right, women are are, I would say, pressured by society to learn how to take pictures of, them, of themselves and have a lot of pictures of themselves so that they can pick the right one, right? Mm-hmm. One, like, one of the things that I do whenever a woman asks me to take a picture that they just like love me for is I take like two hundred. <laughs> I just take like a bajillion pic. I just tap my freaking thumb like it's Nintendo, um, uh, you know. And then they give them the phone back, and then they start swiping their options. And like, guys don't do that. Guy, if I'm a guy with a selfie, I'll go like, and whatever stupid face I was making, that face is now for the rest of time when aliens discover the ashes of our civilization. My stupid face in that selfie is going to be there, right? Um, anyway, so, so I think the reason the fish pics happen is because like. I think a lot of times the fish pics is just like the last time that a dude had a professional photographer point a camera at him Wow! and he was smiling and he was having a good time. And he's like, he's, he's like hunting for food. It's like a man <laughs> thing, you know? Um, yeah. You know? And, and I think I, so I, I went to, um, uh, I think I talked about this right in here, but like uh, I went to Mexico on a, on a solo uh, vacation, which was really, really good for me. I hadn't done a solo vacation in a long time. Put a pin in that. Or that's a whole different thing. But um, I went on this ATV thing. I was like, yeah, sure, it's touristy, but it sounds like fun. Let me go ride around on a, on a crazy, you know, ATV for a while. So much fun. Oh, my God. I had such a wild time on that. Um, but, uh, uh, and there was this guy on another ATV that was, like, worked there, and he wasn't the guide. He was just, like, a rando, but, like, or, you know, another employee. But, like, he didn't talk to us. He just followed us around, and he just shot pictures of us the whole time. And I was like, oh, this is for people that like want to be on Instagram or like, you know, people that are like uh-huh. vain and I'm not vain. But then I got to the end and he like showed us his laptop with all these pictures of us. And he wanted like $25 for like a picture. And I'm like, that's bananas. I'm never going to do that. And then it occurred to me that like, I, you know, on my dating profile, the most recent picture I had was like a selfie from six months ago or whatever. Like I just didn't have any pictures of me. Mm-hmm. So you know, that guy shooting the, you know, taking pictures of me on an ATV or the guy on the boat taking pictures of the guys who went on the boating trip together. Like that's there because like the guy, and I guarantee you the guy paid like a bunch of money for that. Because, <laughs> um, because as guys, we just don't like, we just don't uh, go out and have like pictures taken of us. We, we don't, we don't take pictures of each other for our friends. Mm. Um, I, I, when I first started dating again, uh, and, and decided I wanted to get back on the apps um, after my divorce, I, I went and like hired a photographer because I couldn't like, I, I just couldn't figure out how to get pictures of me that looked like me, that looked good, that would help me stand out. 
Um, and you know, that's a, that's a, that's a luxury that comes with having the, the, the budget for that kind of thing. Um, and you like, you know, you could theoretically say to your friend, like, Hey, can you come take a bunch of pictures of me with your like super amazing camera that's now on every phone ever? Uh-huh. Um, but a like guys are bad at that, even with a fancy iPhone 27 or whatever iPhone we're on. Oh, now. I'm terrible at taking pictures. Oh, really? On both sides of the camera. I just went on this trip with my two, my oldest high school friends and they're like beautiful, beautiful people. And the entire time they wanted to stop everywhere and take like a ton of posed photos. Uh-huh. And I was like, they're like, Karen, why are you just standing there? I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, can you just tell me where to put my arms? Like, I'm so bad at it. It's embarrassing. I, uh, I don't think that's embarrassing, <laughs> but I, I do think, well, I mean, I do think this is true. I think a lot of women very much know what to do in pictures. I, yeah, the like, two of them, I have a video. So one day I had a migraine, so they took a video of them posing and sent it to me of like them doing different poses. And I was like, I really appreciate you guys keeping me in the loop on this, but it also makes me feel bad because I don't know how to do that. No. They were beautiful. I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how, like, I don't know where to put my hands in a picture or like how to stand <laughs> or how to tilt my hips, but yeah. like all of my lady friends, when we go out for like a, whatever, a thing or whatever, mm-hmm. they do. Like yeah. they, they do, the, there's this like cloth, there's like this thing where you put your hand on your hip and like you twist your leg in and you like see them do it. Like, eh, eh, eh. And they, then like the smile. And, like, I mean, I tilt. heard you're not supposed to do the hand on the hip anymore. That's like out. Uh, pff, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, okay. As a guy on the dating apps, I have learned to um, like s- spot. It took me a long time to spot filters. I'm such an idiot, but like. Me too. I, on TikTok, I, I'm always sending TikToks to people be like, how do they look so good? And all my friends are like, they're Karen has a filter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I showed my friend, like, oh, look at this lady. I think she wants to go on a date. She looks really pretty. He's like, dude, human beings have pores. Like <laughs> that is not, that is not what she looks like. Um, do I look like my photos now that you're seeing me in real life? I think you do. I don't know. It's, I, I don't think anybody looks like their photos. Me either. And people always say that to me when they meet me. People, very, very kind people have told me that I look better than my photos. And I think that mostly just means that I'm not very photogenic. Like, I, I just don't know how when to... people say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> Feels very much like a backhanded compliment. I don't know. Maybe you're a beautiful person in person. Like, I, I don't know. I guess so. Anyway. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, gosh, that was a whole thing. something I was going to say. <laughs> So I think like, okay, the fish picks thing, like the, the difference between how women exist on the, on the dating apps and how men exist. Like, I think that's just the, the, like the facility that women are, I think, forced to uh, develop with appearing online because they're objectified. Um, and, and um, yeah, men just like, don't do that. Like we're not, we're not, I don't think we are socialized to see value in how we, in, in being attractive. Right, like being pretty online isn't like a thing that dudes are like, "Oh, bro, your cheekbones are." You know? <laughs> um, and I and I think that's just another way that like that, that like I think a lot of women look at pro. I, I feel bad for women, right? Because they look through a lot of profiles, and it's like you're looking at it like I I kind of don't know what this guy looks like because he just doesn't have like a good set of pictures because he just never takes pictures of himself. You know? Oh, you want to hear a horrifying story? Absolutely. Um, so my ex-husband and I met on one of the dating apps. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we had a terrible marriage, a terrible divorce, a fast, but ugh. 
And I'm sorry. We both pretty sure like logged back on onto our dating apps at almost exactly the same time. And you know, if you don't unmatch with someone, you can still access their profile. Oh, so like you were still matched. <laughs> two years later, we were still matched. And I clicked on it and he had updated his photos and used the last photo that I took of him. Oh. Yeah. Did he, but he didn't, did he take any photos with, with like the two of you together with like a happy face? Or you, <laughs> you, yeah. No. Yeah. We didn't have many photos together or happy faces. Um, <laughs> but the prompt that the photo was under was how my friends see me. It's oh. like, no, that's how I saw you. I'm not your friend. <laughs> that sucks. I'm sorry. Um, okay. So, right. Gamified dating apps. I think they're kind of addictive. And I and I, I think it's hmm. So you do you so you do think women there are women who or you you have encountered a lot of women who find the dating apps in some way addictive. They I have mean, that, like, women need and love and enjoy validation mm-hmm. as much as anybody else. Mm-hmm. There's some like I do think around the the conversations around how dating apps are so difficult for men, there's a little bit of like incel narrative around that, like Mm. resentment that women aren't speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Women Mm -hmm. aren't interacting with me as though they are entitled to it. So that, that conversation like rubs me the wrong way a little bit sometimes because I don't know if that is what's happening. Do you yeah, know what I mean? I do. I'm always super, super cautious around this kind of thing because, yeah, like sometimes in the stuff that I've thought about in talking to people and like the my, you know, hopefully constantly changing, but like my concept of like how I think the dating apps are working and like how I should, how I should use it given how my, that understanding, right? But like I, I'm always really wary of when I find myself like agreeing with weird like alt right pipeline incel. <laughs> manosphere scary isn't stuff. it well yeah, and, yeah. But, but it, and, and it, it just gives me pause to be like mm, like i know that that stuff is that i disagree with all of that stuff so when i find myself being like it is hard for men to get matches on the dating apps i i, I have to go like really really slowly with it um yeah i i i think it's i mean you know i think I think it is frustrating for men on, on the dating apps. And I, and I think, I think that's driven by uh, like the gender imbalance. Like I think the apps are not a place where I, I know a lot of women who say that many, many of their girlfriends who are single do not use the apps because they just hear it's horrible. Um, they feel like it's a little uh, like there's some slut shaming going on. Like it feels like, Oh really? Well, some women, not, not, not a lot of women, but I've heard some. Right. Oh. Um, that like being on the apps makes you makes you desperate. <gasps> really? Or, yeah. No, you haven't heard that. Not since. Not like since the before 60s. the. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sometimes I do feel like I live in a progressive bubble. I def. I. Mm, I think I. Mm, that's a good question. I don't know if I feel that way about dating apps. Um, that's interesting. Um, I wonder. But, uh, oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was say mostly. I think it's just a bad experience for women. I think women often. I, th- I think a lot of women get on the apps. It's not fun. It feels gross. It's not what they were looking for, and then they just shut it down. And their profile stays there because they didn't like go through and delete their profile because it takes like five steps to do that, right? They just like delete the app and then forget about it. 
Oh, yeah. And so Hinge will still happily tell you that, like, here's Karen. She logged in four months ago. Uh, maybe you'll match with her. And so it'll happily show me your profile, right? Huh. Because it wants me to swipe on people. It wants me to spend a buck ninety nine to super swipe on you or to use my super turbo boost. And, <laughs> you know. um, yeah, because I, 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 I mean, I lean on this a lot and I could be wrong about it, but like, I, I really think the apps are, are optimized to get men to spend money and what they need women to do in that case is just every now and then a, a be there. So men can look at your pictures and your, in your prompts and think that you're real and B match like every now and then, like you only need sporadic reward to keep a gambler coming back. Okay. So I have two different thoughts about this. One is, I wonder what the app experience would be like for women if somehow we removed all of the men's profiles who put in zero effort, like hobbies, yeah. travel, right? If yeah. you have one word answers for any problem, just like automatically do not show those profiles. Yeah. If women had a better experience because of that, because a lot of the swiping we're doing is like this person clearly does not really want anything yeah right so if we took away that part of the experience so women are more likely to enjoy the experience then they would be interacting more with the men who actually want to be engaged yeah that's fair i think i think there are a lot of men who use the apps just to like find someone who's like looking to get dinner get drunk and maybe hook up and they, and I don't think there are, I'm, I'm not shaming anybody who's using the app for that. Right. But like, if there are three women in San Francisco who are doing that, there are 10,000 men who are hoping to meet them. Right. The, the men who are, who are, who like are not in a place that want a relationship. They just want to like yeah. feel that affirmation. Right. Um, yeah. I think uh, I, I, when you get to the conversation of like, how do you change the apps to make them better? And then I've talked to a bunch of people actually who are, who are working on apps, who either work at apps or like app founders um, and I love all the, most of the ideas these people are having. Um, I did a podcast with this woman named Mia Lux. She's, she starts, she has this like dating like platform called Lavette. I wouldn't call it an app, but like, um, th what they do is like, they make it hard. Like they do a background check on you. Um, and I'm not like, I'm not paid by them or plugging them. I just kind of like their approach. Like they do a background check, which takes work and time. Um, they charge money. Like it costs you money to just like be in. It's not like pay money to jump up to the next tier or whatever, or, like it's super stuff. It's like you need to throw down some dollars to like get in, which is a barrier. And it's not fair for a lot of people who like can't budget that. But it's not like, I don't know. It, it, it feels to me like the amount is about, it's like, uh, I think actually it's all free right now because they're starting. But anyway, the, the idea is eventually to make it like monthly you know, membership fee, right? But the, the big one, I think, is uh, it requires you to record five videos. Five? Yeah. There are five things that you need to, like, respond to and talk about in order to make a profile. And until you do that, you're, you're not seeing anybody. You're not swiping anybody, mm. um, which I think is good. Like, I yeah. think you're right. Like, I think, I think you want to filter out the people that are just using the app to, to swipe, to play the numbers game. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think it is. It is. I, I think there are a lot of things that I think the apps again are aimed at men. They're aimed at keeping men addicted. They're aimed at getting money out of men, and and they they just don't need the number of women who are happy with the app experience to go up. Like the, I think they're doing just fine with like the women that are either 
with the women that are there. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. they have no incentive to, to get better for women. It's definitely changed in the last few years. Cause I, before I was married, which was the last time I was on the apps, I don't remember people paying for it that much. Whereas now when I hear about men on the apps, like they're all paying for stuff. Oh yeah. All kinds like they get you five different ways. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I mean, and you're right. Like I think, (sighs) okay, Cupid, which is how I met my ex-wife. I think it was like a, I think it was like a one-time fee or like a yearly thing. It wasn't that much. Um, um, But now like some apps, like you're not even on there if you're not paying. Um, some apps, uh, I mean, I tell uh, from what I've seen and from what I've heard and from my own, like stupid non-scientific testing, I think paying for stuff on apps works. Really? Yeah. And I, I, if I, I would advise a man, if he wants to use the apps to meet a partner, uh, to like, I would say probably pick two apps, set a budget and use that budget. Like spend the money. What about for women? For women, like I don't think I don't think women need to pay money for the apps um, because you know your problems are very very different. Your, your problem isn't that you're not showing up on the screen of the man that you want to meet. Your problem is that too many men are. You're, you like women filter at the like matching mm-hmm. phase, right? Yeah. Men filter at the swiping phase. Asterisk: Some men just swipe right on everyone. And then they filter at the matching stage. Um, but I think mostly those are low effort dudes. Um, but which is why a lot of women say, I, I do think there are men who like w- women feel like, like, why isn't this guy talking? To like, why isn't he reaching out? And sometimes maybe it's just because like he's chatting with somebody else or he met somebody or like life happened, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the reason why it happens a lot to women is that a lot of men have decided that like the swiping process is too like, either inefficient or I think like emotionally painful. Um, like it, it, it sucks to like super swipe on somebody and then just like never hear again or, or even just to write something to somebody. So like, I think it, I think it sucks to like, even in an app, even in a gamified app and all you're doing with your thumb is that. Yeah. I think it sucks to, to say, to put into the universe. I think Karen is really, really cute. And then have the app just be like, you know, um, but anyway, it's like it feels personally rejecting. I think so. I think it's a lot of like micro rejections, you know? Oh, God. Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, kind of. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't. I think the thing that I would advise women to do is thing that I do advise women to do uh, is like use your and I think you do a good job of this on your profile. Use your profile to weed out the people who aren't for you. Mm-hmm. Like don't yes. don't try and make yourself. And I think this can kind of be tough for some women right because like don't don't express yourself so that you will get as many likes as possible do not Mm -hmm. don't treat this like a social media site where you're trying to get lots of like a high number in that little red dot right don't don't if you're looking for a partner if you're looking to meet somebody who might be your person filter people out say the things that you think are going to scare people away that are true of course but like (laughs) like put forward the parts of yourself that like you want your real awesome partner to accept about you, but that a lot of people are, it's going to not be for them. Right. Yeah. Um, because the whole process for women, the whole difficulty I think for women um, is I think filtering. 
like the. So, okay. So I do have a question about, we had talked before about like coded language, things that people tend to say in their profiles that if you took it out of space, it doesn't really mean anything, but like usually it means something. Okay. So um, I think one of the reasons that I find dating apps to be exhausting is because not only are there low effort profiles that I have to weed through, but there's also a lot of people who say things like no drama. Yeah. I'm looking for people who don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. I want to be able like, I want a woman who can take a joke. Right. Yeah. And when I see that stuff, first, my question is, do you know what that means? And do you think men know what they're putting out there when they say that? But my second point <laughs> is that looking through that many profiles that are low effort or say something so negative like that, it actually makes me feel depressed about the state of the world. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I'm going to choose not to meet that person. It's like, does everyone suck? That can't be true. But being yeah. on the apps makes me feel like it does. It yeah, is. I hear you. Yeah. And, and, and even if you're not somebody who has like a social justice worldview kind of mindset, even if you're just a person who's like looking for a person to connect to feeling like so many people are so negative, so negative yeah. can be gross. That is not a fun experience. Yeah. Right? It just makes me so sad. That's the thing that makes me want men to go to therapy. Yeah. So <laughs> you you're, make your dating profiles better. Make your, just be, you could be a happier person. Yeah. So I, I okay. So my guess, okay. I'm not sure that I know what those things mean, but my guess is that like, women see those and that's a red flag saying like, I don't want you to, uh, 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 like, like the, no, I think the no drama thing is like, don't criticize me. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want a woman to criticize me. I don't want a woman to like talk about her feelings. I don't want a woman to like make me do emotional labor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, and the don't take themselves too seriously. What do you think that means? Um, I don't know. What is, what does don't take yourself too seriously mean? I think it means don't share your opinions. Oh. Don't challenge my opinions. Oh, interesting. And then like, like know how to take a joke. Usually what I think that means is like kind of connected to that is like, allow me to project my opinion on you. Like, let me make a joke about, about how, women be shopping or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> like you need to acknowledge that that's funny. It's funny to me, but I, I, I don't mm-hmm. want to hear your jokes. Right. I mean, one, one thing that I've had to understand and like navigate is this idea that the closer you are with someone, actually the looser your boundaries are. And so it's true that you want to be close to someone who can allow you to be yourself. You want to be able to have your opinions in a safe space. What I've also learned is that some people who need to go to therapy have conflated that with, I can speak to you however I want. Mm. And if you interpret that as disrespectful, then you are not allowing me to be safe. To be myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what to say about that. I think people have to navigate that. But if that's on their dating profile, I'm like, you run into problems navigating right. this. Right. Right. I mean, like, again, to, to, to 
th- this is like the soapbox that I'm always on, but like the apps are not designed to help women sort. They're not designed to be fun for women, right? Like, like what, wouldn't it be cool if you could just like filter by search words? Yeah. Like you could say like, what if you could like, you know, write a little like regex that you'd be <laughs> like, don't show me any profiles that have the words. Take no yourself drama. seriously. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, that would be so awesome. Yeah. If Hinge AI, like disqualify any picture that you recognize as a fish. Like, Okay. <laughs> let me ask you this about guys. Yeah. Do you, do you think, or have you ever had a conversation where a guy has said that, like, I'm looking for someone, no drama. And like, do they know what that means? Um, Are they introspective about it? I have not heard a man say that, that I can think of. I'm very lucky and I'm very picky and I have awesome friends. All of my friends are much awesomer than I am. Um, I have not heard a lot of men say that. Although, but I'm, I'm old. Like all my friends are married, you know, like I, I don't... <laughs> Um, but let's say, okay, so you want your, your audience of people hearing your TikToks and your podcasts yeah. to be men who will have this thought spark in their head. Oh, I've, I've had that thought. I've said that thing. Maybe I should go talk to a therapist. Yeah, I do want that. Okay. So for people listening, yeah. if you have in your profile, no drama or can take a joke. Yeah. Go find a therapist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think like, right. And like the idea isn't like take that out of your profile and put something else in. Right. Like, Like, I love it when people have that in there. I'm like, okay, you're not for me. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I do. the, The one that I do is, and this is, it's probably just because I've been on the apps too long, but whenever, a woman has on her profile that her love language is sarcasm. <gasps> oh yeah. I don't like that in men's either. Uh, yeah. I guess men do too. Like, like, <laughs> like I, um, it, I don't know. Like maybe like I can be sarcastic. I can definitely play with people who enjoy sarcasm. Right. Like, like maybe this is me shooting myself in the foot a little bit. Um, and I, I am super picky. I you know, hence the bumble data, but like, yeah, I don't know that to me, unless there's something else in there that really makes me feel like we're going to get along or that are, we're going to, click in some way like that's usually a, a big not a big but a, a pretty decent sized red flag for me because like it just sort of says to me that 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 like i don't know it's kind of low effort um and i i feel like i feel like it's a thing that you say because you think that your friends would find it funny because your friends know you and they're like oh you're so sarcastic and like i think that's okay i think i think like with people who know you sarcasm can be fun um but like on a dating app, I don't know you at all. So like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's just kind of telling me that like, I don't know. It does. It doesn't let me know who you are. It lets me know that you like to play around by jokingly saying things that, uh, that, that as though you are not who you are. If that makes sense. <laughs> it's just not, it's not, not a lot of information on a, on a dating profile, you know? Yeah. I, I would see that as a red flag. I would see that as I don't feel comfortable being sincere. Mm. Yeah. At least a little bit. Of, I mean, yeah. I mean, but again, who knows? Like a dating profile, it's so hard to get a feel for it. I guess I'm just, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm very hesitant to, to like judge women based on their dating profiles. A lot of women. But you just said you're really picky. I know. 
but I, I mean, picky, like, like I, 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 I think in a dating app, like I, I look for people who I swipe around on people who I think there's a decent chance that we're going to be able to get chatting about something interesting and that there's a decent chance that I'm going to like you when I meet you. Right. Yeah. And I do think there are a lot of women's profiles that like, maybe I would like you if we met, but like, there's not enough on the dating profile for me to like, know what to say as an opener. Like there's no hook for me to say like, Oh, I really liked uh, the Asimov's foundation trilogy or whatever, not trilogy, but you know, um, did you really, I got kind of did. Did you watch foundation? I did. Did you like it? I kind of. It's very slow. It's, it's so slow. I kind of like that it's so slow. I like liked... different podcast. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, right, but like, like it, it's hard to get a feel for someone from a dating profile, and 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 I mean, look, there are a lot of women that have very low effort dating profiles. They don't. They, if 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 your hope on a dating profile, if your if your hope using, I, let me put it this way, I think a, a big beginner mistake for men and for women on a dating app is thinking that your goal is to meet someone. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think women don't really have to put that. If if you're just like starting it up and like, let's see how this thing goes. Like you just download the app and like, let's see how this goes. You're not going to put like four hours of work into your profile or have like premeditated what you want to put into those answers. You're just going to do the flow the way that hinge tells you to do it because the app wants you to get out there ASAP. The app wants to make your like onboarding experience super smooth because they want to put you in the dating pool, especially if you're a woman. They want you to be there so men can swipe right on you so men can spend money trying mm-hmm. to connect to you, right? So there are a lot of women that have very low effort profiles. Um, and it's hard. just be- and, and they don't need to. Like those women are still getting matches. They're still getting matches. But are they getting good quality matches? No, they're not. <laughs> which is, which is I think, a part, a part of why women – like when women on TikTok – I mean there are so, so many women – mining hinge for comedy on the internet <laughs> yes. it's like a it's like a full-on genre it is again depressing like yeah. that stuff used to come up on my for you page and i i stopped engaging with it. I, i've had to block them because like they're i mean they're funny they're genuinely funny and some of them are genuinely funny some of them are just like hey guys this man on the internet said something mean to me and it's like oh that's so sad are you new yeah but it is sad it is terrible it is terrible when human beings are terrible to each other and also like as a man who like has been around since the dawn of the internet like it's like yes there are mean people on the internet like that is not a that is that problem is not going to be solved in our lifetimes okay i want to know what other what other things do you see on women's profile that's a red flag Ooh. um uh, it, it's not always a definite red flag for me, but women who just talk a lot about how much they love to travel. Same with men. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I just kind of feel like a, that's not, that doesn't tell me much about your personality. That just makes me like afraid to be on a plane with you for eight hours because like, I don't know anything about you. And like, I, I, to, to me, it, it, it feels very um, like transactional. It feels very like, it feels a little materialistic, right? Because it's like, it's saying that you're someone who either has like, you have to have like the time and the money to go do all that traveling. Um, and like, I don't know, like, like, like I'm not like crazy wealthy, but like I travel. Um, but like that, that's not the foot that I, that I'm trying to put forward in meeting a partner. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it makes sense for people who really want to have a partner who really wants to travel. Yeah. Kind of like, I guess yeah. I see that yeah. the same way I see profiles that are all like camping. 
Like you really want to find someone who's going to spend their life going camping with you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I guess, yeah, if that's what you're looking for, then that's what you're looking for. And it's not a red flag that it's going to be like a toxic relationship. It just means (laughs) that like, you're not for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's how I feel about outdoors photos. You, you're not for me. Yeah. 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 Um, Although I have more of a negative feeling about people who count the number of countries they've been to. Yeah, that's a weird that's a weird thing for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. But you know, look, I think you know, that just means they're not for me. Like there are some people who like really, really enjoy seeing all the different places and cultures and foods in the world. And like, cool, go for it. I, I I've seen a bunch of them. I do think it's cool to see the world from different perspectives. Like the first time that I really got to travel, it like blew my mind and like gave me a whole new perspective on life. Um so yeah, I, I I value travel, but like, I don't know. It's not like my whole personality, not, you know? Um, yeah. Anything that seems like someone's whole personality on one profile, I think is going to be, like you said, difficult to know who they are. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really hard to present a nuanced picture of a human being on the dating apps. Um, you know, another, another red flag that is like... I'm probably too picky about, and I don't, I don't, I don't try to be too picky about it. I try to be mindful about it. But like, if, if a lot of her pictures or a lot of the prompts mention drinking, uh, that's, that's usually one that I'm a little, a little skittish about. Um, I'm not, I I drink a little, not a lot, but in general, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of like, getting hammered. I mean, it's friends. also a lifestyle incompatibility because I'm, I'm someone who used to drink a lot yeah. and gone to, I don't drink at all. And my entire lifestyle has changed and it wasn't necessarily by choice. No. I would have loved to stay friends with people I used to drink with a lot, but it's really hard to maintain those friendships. And so it's like a big gap in life experience. Yeah. And, yeah. and like what, you know, if, if what you like doing for fun is getting altered in that way, like awesome. It's we're you know. I'm you know, not, not I want I want someone me. who enjoys binge watching TV and would be okay doing that for like an entire Saturday. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's a good thing to put. I think like like the things that you really want to do with a partner are 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 good things to put in there. Anyway, okay, this is going super duper long, listener. <laughs> if you're still with us, you're so amazing. Um, you find us so interesting. Yeah, we appreciate that. We really do. <laughs> Um, okay. So high quality and the great resignation, which of those do you want to talk about? Oh, uh, I feel like I've been man bashing quite a lot and I feel (laughs) bad about that because that isn't, let me say this instead of those things, actually. Okay. When I think about all the things about men that I wish I could change, I, it's not because I don't like men. It's because I absolutely love men and I believe in them. I believe that they could be really good partners and fathers. I don't think there's anything about men that makes them incapable of being the best versions of themselves. Hmm, I love that. And for a lot of my practice, I actually, I do see a lot of men and they really do like working with me. And yeah, I push them to be better versions of themselves. And so when I have a lot of these criticisms, I don't feel like I don't like men. I feel like 
they have the potential to be more. Mm. And I want that for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I've learned more recently is that people don't really necessarily want to be pushed to be the best version of themselves. Like we were saying earlier, it, it can be an uncomfortable pro- It is an uncomfortable process. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't love it. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> do it because it feels great. You know, like I, I, yeah. I feel like I've gotten myself to the point where I, it does feel good. That's amazing. Like if someone is telling me, if they're reflecting back to me something yeah. that I, they think I can work on so that my relationship with them can be better. Yeah. I am so happy that they're telling it to me. Yeah. Because if they don't tell yeah. it to me, then they get to the point where they're someday going to yell it at me. Yeah. And that's way worse. Uh, yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, yeah. there you're talking about like doing work in a relationship, which I I, I have to, I do enjoy that. Like, like, because I think when you do it well, you deepen the relationship. Yeah. Like you, you get to connect better, uh, feel more secure, feel more connected to your partner. Like, like doing the work leads to having a better experience. Like it, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a do the work, get the reward kind of like Skinner box, you know, yeah. like more connected, happier, better sex, you know, like doing that work will, will that, I like sex. Sex feels great. I think most guys <laughs> like sex. You know, like maybe we can sell guys on therapy by being like, go to therapy, have Your better sex. Sex life will be better. Yeah, I think <laughs> you know, better better help is going to come be a sponsor, and that will we'll make that the. I, I, I mean, I think it's true, but like, I don't know. Maybe that's how to get guys in there. Um, okay, but actually, never n- no better help. Oh no! Right, better help is. Not, I tried better help for a while. It was okay. I don't know if you. Anyone out there who's considering it, if you just Google it a bit, you'll see pretty quickly. Right. I, I, what I will say is if you Google it, you will see some stuff about it. All right. So we'll think I'm not going to get a <laughs> podcast sponsor, Karen. Thanks. Um, but the other thing, so that's like work on, on relationships. And, and I should say, like I was saying, I, I don't love the work like just on myself. And I, I think like doing the work with a therapist or doing the reading or introspection, like whatever it is. Right. Um, cause also I, I don't think, I think, I think going to therapy is awesome. I don't think doing the work always necessarily means you've got to pay someone $325 an hour or whatever it is. You know, like I think sometimes even for men, like doing some reading, like, like paying attention to different stuff on the internet. Like, I think there are other ways of like doing the work. that's not just like getting a therapist, although getting a therapist is awesome. I really recommend it. Do you know I really mean? recommend getting a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I do know what you mean. I think the, I love everything that you said. I think the the thing that stops people from doing the research and consuming different media and reading the books on their own is that it is a natural human instinct to lean away from pain. Yeah. And so the therapist is partly there to teach you how to tolerate pain for the sake of something better. Yeah. And so if you don't know how to do that, you're not going to read the books, you yeah. know, like, trust me, my, when I was married, my couple's counselor would recommend like every time we had a conflict, a book, and I would order it on Amazon the next day. And how yeah. many books did he read? None. Yeah. Yeah. I read them all though. They're great. <laughs> yeah. I, um, so, uh, you know, okay. So what I was going to say about that and, and the, the, yeah, 
I think, I think, I think the work was, is really painful is, is uncomfortable and difficult until at least for me, like until I hit like an epiphany, Yeah. right? Like for me, I started therapy because of some anxiety stuff. And when I really first noticed it working and noticed that like, oh, okay, I can deal with this better now. And, and that the, the discomfort of that anxiety or like the anxiety attack, um, I, when I, when I noticed myself being able to handle that better, that felt great. Yeah. That felt like having more control over my, my, myself. Right. Yes. Yeah. So the kind of therapy I do, there's a program where we teach skills based on a curriculum. So it's kind of like going to class and it's set up to teach three sets of skills, a module each, right. And each module is six to eight weeks, depending on what topic that we're covering. And when people start, they don't really get it and they kind of hate it. Depending on how much buy-in they've had at the beginning, they may struggle through like the first module and a half. And I always tell people, just wait to the middle of the second module. Mm -hmm. Before that, it's not going to make any sense. It's going to be difficult. Parts Mm -hmm. of it are going to be really boring. Mm -hmm. And then almost like pretty consistently, after a module and a half, they come back and they're like, that did something. There was some difference there. I felt different. So get through the weird, awkward part. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, Hmm. yeah. I I, I don't know exactly what that is, but I think you're right. Like the, the beginning is always hard and I don't, I, I wish we had a, slick way to fix that because that would yeah sometimes people come i get a lot of first timers and sometimes people will come for like a few sessions and then they'll disappear for a little while Mm -hmm. and then they'll come back for another few sessions then disappear for a little while Mm -hmm. and i i love it when they come back because it says to me they're really trying Mm. Sometimes people would interpret, oh, well, they left, you know, they took a break. They didn't like it. They didn't need it. They didn't want it. But what I interpret is they're really wanting something. And that's why they come back. Yeah. Yeah. And they usually end up being my favorites. I'm just kidding. I don't have favorites. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, okay, Karen, we've gone super duper long. Um, thank you so much for, uh, for chatting with me. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about or say, or I don't know anything else before we wrap up? Mm. Find a therapist you love, find a therapist that you feel safe with, that makes you laugh, that seems like they get you, even if there's some explaining that needs to be done, but, but don't be afraid to shop around. Find someone who gets you. That's really wise. I, when I was first looking for a therapist, I, I made appointments with three. I just told myself I'm going to put three appointments on the books and like see which of the three I, I kind of click with the most. Yeah. That's really wise. Yeah. Find someone you like. That's really smart. Okay. Um, well, I always wrap these up by uh, telling the audience that I wish them all the best. So we wish you all the best and we'll have more podcasts whenever I have more podcasts. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what we got. Karen, thank you so much. Thank you. I gotta go over here and turn it off because that's the kind of podcasting studio we run. <laughs>